Just our real estate episode number 331. I would like to build a culture that people want to help us grow and they get the benefits of that growth as well if they can prove the value that they can do it. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I am so excited to be here with you today talking real estate and getting into some awesome, awesome conversations with great people. But before I do, guys, there's something I want to talk to you about, and this is very serious. I am asked all the time, probably the number one question that I'm asked by new investors and experienced investors alike is, what has made the biggest difference in your business over the last seven or eight years that you've been involved in real estate, how did you go from a start, you know, just starting out and being a beginner to actually ramping up your business to be a multi-million dollar business? And, you know, I get the question a lot. So I have a lot of time to think about it and I'm thinking about it a lot. I can honestly say there were really two things that made the biggest difference in my business and really in my life. And the first one was that I I needed help, right? I didn't know everything. I thought I could do it on my own. I struggled for a number of years trying to do this business all on my own. I figured I am a reasonably intelligent person, maybe not the smartest guy in the world, but I am reasonably intelligent. I should be able to do this on my own. I can figure it out. All the information is out there. I don't need any help. And boy, was I wrong. What there, what happened was I put in a glass ceiling above me. I really put a limit on what I could do because I couldn't do anything more than I already knew or had the capacity to learn all on my own. And yeah, maybe over the course of a, you know, maybe t- uh, double or triple or quadruple the amount of years I had been involved, maybe at some point I would have figured it out. But honestly, guys, the biggest thing that has changed my business in the last two to three years, and I've been doing this podcast now for about. Uh, I think we're going on four and a half, five years. Even from when I started this podcast, I have had a tremendous and dramatic increase in in my business growth. And it's all been due to really one core idea. I needed help. I needed someone to help me get past the artificial barriers and the glass ceiling that was above my head. And what did that was coaching. I, I got to tell you, I was not a big fan of coaching early on, but now that I've seen what it has done for my business, I am a huge fan of coaching. I am convinced that there's no way for a person to take their business and grow it exponentially based only on their own you know, experience, right? Eventually you will grow, right? But I'm talking about exp- exponential growth, rapid growth, getting from zero to 100, you know, in, in light speed kind of a thing. Everyone can get to their goal eventually. But to be honest with you, coaching does more than just tell you what to do and what not to do. Coaching, good coaching will give you a roadmap to where you want to go. So even if you're going a million miles an hour, it's tough to grow. It's tough to get to your destination without a map that shows you how to get there. And the best coaching will not only hold you accountable and encourage you and give you tools, that coaching will also provide a roadmap of how to get to from where you are to where you want to be. And that is the number one thing that has changed my life and my business. The other things that came from coaching was learning how to create systems and processes and people in order to grow my business quickly, but also responsibly and successfully, guys. So I'm telling you, if you want to grow your business in 2017 and beyond, there is really no other option 
that that you can really turn to that's going to give you the same results as coaching. If you want to know more about the coaching that I got or coaching in general or whether or not your business is ready for that next level and coaching is the answer, you can reach out to me. There is a, a link on my on the website at juststartrealestate.com. On the right-hand side, it says, talk to me about education, right? Simple as that. It's not an order form. It's not a sign-up form. There's no obligation. It simply is a link that will help you set up a 15-minute phone call with me where you and I can discuss your business and decide if if coaching makes sense in your situation. Um, I, I would love to do this for you. Obviously, it takes up my personal time, but I'm willing to do that because I feel so strongly about coaching and what it can and will do for your business. So go to my website at juststartrealestate.com. On the right-hand side, click on the little banner there that says, talk to me about education. I'll hop on the phone. You can schedule a time that works for both of us. I'll hop on the phone and, and we'll talk about your business for a few minutes and see if coaching is something that would benefit you. I would love to talk to, about, talk to you about it. I hope to talk to you soon. Go there, check it out, and hopefully we'll be talking very soon. All right, guys, thank you for joining me today on Just Start Real Estate. I'm here again with my partner, Mike Cowper. We all know him. I'm not going to give the long intro. It just blows his ego up. I don't want to do that. So, hey, uh, <laughs> we, we, everyone knows you by now, man. We're the Mikes. I don't even know if we can separate ourselves with a crowbar. Everyone, uh, I don't even know if I have my own identity <laughs> anymore. It's just turned into the Mikes, but that's cool, man. I'm glad uh, to have you here. I know we're both super busy. We talked. 30 times a day anyway, but it's it's sometimes tough to carve out a, a solid half an hour, or, you know, 45 minutes, whatever it ends up being to do this. So good stuff. And I think uh, I think the stuff we're going to talk about today is kind of cool. Um, so what we're going to do today, a little different, instead of just like picking a topic and sort of like, you know, trying to educate you on that, we're going to do more of like a state of our company with some things that we're doing right now and, and some things that are going on like real time for us. And, and Mike and I are more going to discuss them between ourselves and just kind of give you a glimpse behind the curtain in terms of the way we process things or the, just the way we look at how we run our business or how we go about some of these things that we're involved in right now. And uh, specifically, uh, we talked about the hiring process. We mentioned in past episodes that we had a lot of turnover in our business. And we're just going to kind of talk about how that's going so far. Some of the things, some of the aha stuff that we've kind of kind of hit us as we're hiring people and and also a new uh, de a decision we're trying to make here about our business it's kind of a big a big decision and a big change for us so we'll we'll hit on that too but first of all let's talk there was just tons of turnover this year tons of turn oh my gosh we basically turned over our whole company we had like i don't know 10 or 12 people and we changed out. I don't know what the right word is. Some of them quit. Some of them we had to let go. Some of them it was kind of mutual. But uh, we had a turnover like eight people we turned over and we brought six people in. Uh, and we probably have maybe another hire that is going to happen later on down the road. But just that's a lot. That's a lot of turnover. I mean, that's what 85% of our company, basically. Yeah. The reason, you know, I think we had to do it. And, and some of it was accelerated more than we wanted it to be. But it was just, uh, you know, if you, if you haven't read the book Traction, you probably should. But it basically wasn't the right people either on the right seats or they might just not even be on the right bus. And it wasn't anyone's specific fault, um, maybe anyone more fault than our own for not being able to identify it early enough or be able to train properly. So, you know, we're taking full blame for everything that did transpire because as business owners, you have to be responsible for what happened as a part of it. But I think we've 
undergone a pretty good culture shift. So a lot of the people that were with us early, Mike, were essentially people that were helping us build the ship. And and we didn't exactly know what it was going to look like at the end. And now we have a better and more clear understanding of what that looks like. So we can properly convey that. And it was just time with most of those people to separate. Uh, either they had their own path they wanted to go down or they weren't on the same agenda or couldn't get with some of the things that we wanted done in the way we wanted it done. It just it was yeah. a natural evolution. I know. It, it's true. I mean, you know, we say it all the time to ourselves and, and other people when we're talking about our business. But I mean, we were just like Mach 4, hair on fire. I mean, we tried to hire responsibly. And I think at the time when we brought some of these people in, we really did think we did a decent job bringing them in, but we didn't know how to hire. We didn't really know how to interview very well. It was sort of like we were guessing and make it up as we went along. And, you know, we frankly, we talked, I don't know if we talked on this show or, or not, but we had a few people we hired, you know, six, eight months ago that we thought were going to be really good for the company. And, and they both didn't pan out. <laughs> one of them went to one of them went to the hospital, may or may not be alive. And uh, the other one just went dark and. So we had to we had to recover, right? Because they were salespeople, and we were trying to to get them ramped up quickly. So we we built out their schedule, and then they just didn't show up first day, and they never have shown up since. So we scrambled a little bit, made some decisions that we wouldn't. You know, it's like we always say: anytime you make a decision like under duress or in a desperate situation, it's rarely the right decision. But we do what we had to do to to grow our business, and we had a goal to get to a million dollars. We got to a million dollars, but. Um, along the way, we realized that maybe we didn't have the right people surrounding us. Um, maybe we could have gotten, you know, maybe we could have done more last year. I don't know. It's just hard to say. It's hindsight. But, um, you know, so far, so good. I think the people that we've hired, you know, what we realized, too, and I, me specifically and the last person that I hired was a dispositions person. And we tried to go with someone who was more social or I don't know the right word is more relationship building and maybe just a little bit more of the of the social aspect to them and, and high maybe, eye yeah, on the disc. Yeah, right. High eye on the disc. And it, it the the job was just overwhelming. It was like an avalanche and and it just it crushed them. So the next person that we chose for that position is just a little bit more of an action taker. Very good at at getting things done, right? And Mike and I we're super big on getting things done. We want things done, right? I mean, some people say done is a new perfect. Well, then we're we're perfect. We want to be perfect <laughs> because we just want we just want crap done. So, I mean, that's that's kind of and then so we realize that, right? And then as far as sales goes, I know you've you've brought in someone recently, Jen, who's um, doing a great job and, and the feedback is great and our team is communicating really, really well, which is super exciting as owners when you see problems being solved. Like we use a, a, an app called WhatsApp. So when people are solving their problems through WhatsApp, that's cool, man, when you can see that happening. I love that. Yeah. And the other thing that we really started doing, I think that helped us is when you're a small business owner, I think it starts to feel like you have to sell people on the position and we might have been doing that a little bit ourselves and maybe not having a, a a patience level about us as we are so action oriented. But you know, now we're trying to be more diligent about slowing down, making more calculated decisions, give time, enough time to, you know, grow into a position and take accountability, but also at the same time, not try and rush somebody and give them everything at once. And we've actively been trying to scare people off. So the dispositions we put in there, we basically told them what happened. You know, the last guy quit because he just there was way too much work. He was getting calls at night. He was getting calls on the weekends. And right now we're slow. 
So expect a lot more of that. And we're, we're trying to paint a picture where it's almost scary, right? So we're trying to tell them they don't want this job. Their family's going to hate them. You know, things like that. Not, not that they're going to hate it, but, you know, there's going to be oh, a lot of time. Hate them. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the thing is, that's typically in, in almost any job. The first 90 days is when you have to learn the system and, and it's, you kind of trudge through it and you start to figure out your efficiencies. And then you become more of a expert and then you become a master and the, and the better you get at the position, the faster it can become, the more manageable it can become, more that you can time block. So I, I think we're starting to be much more diligent about setting those expectations. We have more of a map on what it should look like for each person as they come on now, now that we've done it a few times. So we're able to set the right expectations and, and Mike and I are getting better. Hopefully we're getting really good at being a more uh, supportive <laughs> yeah, for supportive owners slash management, because I didn't have a ton of sales. Exp- I mean, management experience in my life, but I've always just been a go getter. You tell me, go get this number, this goal. I try and do it better that, you know, by as much as I can. It's not always easy to try and get that out of people as well in a in a nice manner. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, it's it's polite and socially acceptable to say good morning to someone before you launch into what you need or want from them. <laughs> and uh, that's something we're finding out, too. I mean, here's the thing. The reality is Mike and I don't need that. Right. I don't know if we ever start off our day, our first communication with good morning or good afternoon or How's it going? Like we just we just say what it is we need to say, and sometimes it it could be a like at a boy could be hey nice job on that. More times than not, it's hey did you look at this? Hey can you do this? Hey have we done this? Hey why didn't we do this? Like it's more of that kind of stuff, right? So and that's just the way we operate. But it's it's good for us as business owners to realize that's not how everyone works. So um in in you know when when you said that we we uh, <laughs> we're we're more diligent and more thoughtful about slowing down and making good decisions. That is true, but slow is a relative term. So for Mike and I, we decide we want to hire somebody. In the past, it'd be like, we'd have them hired in a week. And now maybe it's two weeks, but it's not that we're going fast. We're we're taking our time in terms of the process. We're following a process that we believe works. And But instead of saying, hey, we're going to interview someone on a Monday, and then we don't interview them again for two more weeks, we just say, we're going to interview them again in three days. And then we're going to interview them for the third time, two days later, and we'll make a decision. So we can do it in a week and still sort of take our time. And I don't know if that really is... For most people, that's not taking their time, but we, we that's... Ex- exceedingly and and excruciatingly slow for us sometimes just the way we're wired right yeah i mean i, I think we're going to talk about this but it almost segues pretty well into the office space you know we're, we're looking at an office space right oh my now. god you just you you announced it so casually no i'm just kidding yeah so that's oh. the big de- no 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 i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a good hype man no no no, no I'm, I'm totally teasing so that's what i was talking about is the big decision right to get an office or not we we don't have an office now we never had an office you don't need an office for this business, but let's talk about that. Why Why are we even talking about that? Like, I've brought it up. You've shot it down. You've brought it up. I've shot it down. But now we're sort of both on the same page with, with thinking it might be a good idea. Yeah. So from my perspective, what I think really adds value in an office space that, you know, comes from different feedback from different people, you know, people we really respect in our seven-figure group, local people that have offices that find it. I think there becomes a lot of synergies that can come up. So you can take leverage of that combined workspace to not only have synergistic growth and learning, but also to help really 
solidify that foundation and culture that we're trying to build. So I'm really happy with the people we have on board. I want to continue to hire happy people that are driven and are really you know, trying to run their own business within our business, following our rules of engagement and things like that. But I think having that combined office space not only gives them a place to really go and dedicate their time because you know, some people aren't always able to work from home. That's not everybody's strong suit. So we don't want to disqualify those types of people. But at the same time, if there's a quick one-off question. Sometimes if you're in an office space environment, you can just go ask somebody really quickly instead of maybe putting it off, never quite get an answer, never quite getting it done. Cause it seems too small and trivial to ask somebody, even though we really try to encourage a lot of communication, but you know, people have pride. People have the just issue of asking questions sometimes, but if you're in an office, you say, Hey, how do you do this real quick? And then you can get that benefit. And same thing, we can have group trainings, people together and being in an office where you sit next to that person that you either doing your job or not doing your job impacts them in a positive or negative way, I think it just ups the accountability. So I, those are the main reasons I thought about it. And, and you know, it's also kind of nice on a personal level, you know, what I can work there. And then when I come home, you know, my wife can say, Hey, leave it at the office kind of thing. Whereas when I come downstairs, it's always kind of like, you know, uh, what's that Edgar Allan pole with uh, you know, the heart underneath the floorboards, you know, it's always kind of there beating. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, we, like I said, we've gone back and forth about this. Um, the fact of the matter is our business is growing. We're hiring people and a lot of our people are, are sort of mobile, especially the sales force. They're mobile, but we're looking at office space that's in a central location. We have a pretty big market that we're in. It's a tri-county market. And the office space that we're looking at is central. So when they're out on the road, and, and a lot of our people live like in you know far ends of our market. So if they have to go from one end to the other, sometimes it's nice to have a space in between where they can sit and and kind of catch up on the notes and in the CRM and make maybe make a call, you know, somewhere that's not in a car where you know not a lot of people love, you know, obviously texting and driving is no good, but even calling and driving sometimes can be distracting if you're trying to follow GPS or something. I've passed more than one exit when I was talking on the phone. So it's good for that. I love the training aspect of it. Probably the one of the things that we've suffered with, like without even realizing it, like this this need that we've had for a long time is being able to train people in a kind of a, a an organized way and and doing it like meeting at Starbucks and doing training and stuff is fine. You could do that. We've done it. But I think group training and kind of like getting everyone in the room at the same time and saying, hey, we're all sort of struggling with this. We're going to go over this, you know, this week or this month or whatever the case may be. I think that's going to be super helpful for us. But the culture, you know, as you grow a business like we are, culture becomes more and more important when you have one person in your business or it's just, you know, you and your partner or just you. There's no there's no culture. I mean, culture is whatever, you know, however you feel that day. If you're in a bad mood, your culture's bad that day. If you're in a good mood, your culture's good. But when you have people on your team, you know, culture becomes more important. People leave companies because they're just not happy with the people they work with or they think their coworkers are jerks. So creating the right culture is important for us. And our culture is different than everybody else's. Our culture is probably a lot more intense and and a lot more urgent than a lot of other companies. But if we can convey that urgency, but try to do it in kind of a cool, fun way. I mean, we're not going to be Google, but uh, I, I think creating that culture and and meeting with people, like you said, seeing them face to face regularly, the people you work with and interact with and the people you affect with your job. If you're face to face with them on a regular basis, not that anyone tries to hurt anybody else by not doing their work, but it becomes a lot harder to do that, right? To skip a, pro a part of your process because you don't like doing it. And if you don't really know who who needs it or if anybody even looks at it or needs it, it then it doesn't seem important if you're busy. 
But if you're sitting next to the person or in the same room or office with the person who desperately relies on that data or that information, you're more likely to get it in there if you have to see these people all the time. So, well, the other benefit too is you know it's almost like that that quick question that nobody wants to ask because it feels dumb. Same thing if they're sitting next to that person, that person goes, "Hey, uh, it looks like you forgot to upload this." Because you don't want to be a jerk and maybe send them a message or give them a call over something that's somewhat quote unquote tiny about entering in the CRM. But if if they can just give them little nudges regularly, it's kind of that that self reinforcement. You know, hey, you forgot to include this part. Do you need some help with that? They can be friendly about it and it's a quick one-off situation, but then they realize that it is important. Yeah. And I think just for even the hiring process, like we've hired people and, and we do it in a restaurant, which has kind of become our little, you know, de facto office, but just even hiring people and bringing them into an actual office. I know it sounds stupid, but it's almost like people don't think you're a legitimate business unless you have a website, right? If you're not an online business, you don't really need a website, but if you don't have a website, people are kind of like, oh, no website, huh? Well, that's weird. I don't know if you're really legit, which websites take two seconds to whip up, right? And they're free. But a lot of times that happens too. I think there's a little stigma with not having an office. And that's probably the last reason that we need an office is because of what people think. But the fact of the matter is sometimes it's easier when you can give someone a physical address that they can go to or that you can meet them at your actual company's place of business. So it's a factor. It's a small one. But like I said, I don't think you don't need an office in this business, right? I mean, Andy McFarland, good friend of ours, uh, has an office. Uh, he likes it. He thinks it's a good idea, but I think he's had it for so long that he almost doesn't know if it would be a negative to not have it. So, you know, in a weird way, like, I don't know if it's so much that he says an office is critical as much as it is he has one and he doesn't see the reason not to have one, right? I mean, it's almost like the opposite of where we were. We didn't have one and we weren't sure if there was a reason to have one. He's always had one, I think, or you know, for a long time, he's had one, right? Yeah. I mean, I think what swayed our opinion really does keep coming back to that culture side of it, right? So Andy has a great team that interact great with each other and really want to pull for everyone. And I think that does go to being in the same physical location with people. You start to build those bonds and we want to emulate his business as much as possible because we're trying to catch him and pass him eventually. And to do that, you know, we, we try to follow his footsteps, but other people that we've talked to seem to feel the same thing. You know, productivity probably goes up when you're in an office just because it's a dedicated workspace when you don't have some distractions that can pull you away from it. And like Mike said, the hiring is going to be huge for us because uh, pro tip here, we are going to be continually hiring people forever. And you, as your business grows as well. So we're just going to continually have an ongoing process. That's something that we learned at our seven figure flipping you know, mastermind event. You know, we had a great sales trainer that came in, but basically it's something we've been following, but he kind of had a good catchphrase for it that, that really stuck with everybody, but basically always building your bench. So when you, either you're scaling and need to bring more people on to handle the volume, or if you want to trade out someone on your team that just is underperforming for a prolonged period of time, you've done everything you could to try and get them on track having people that are ready, willing, and able to come onto your team is going to be very critical for your growth and, you know, sustained profits. So that's part of what we're going to be doing is, you know, continually doing interviews, continually reaching out to those people that are really excited to work with us and want to work with us and want to have the opportunity to have a great earning potential and also take part in our growth. I mean, that's a, that's a huge advantage. And Mike and I've talked about this in the past and I truly want to promote from within. If people are able to grow and show leadership, I, I don't ever want to necessarily have to hire someone outside. I want everyone to start at the grassroots and work their way up. Uh, I think that's a model that doesn't get followed enough anymore in America, at least in my experience. I, you always had to jump ship to get a promotion. You have to leverage your job to get to the next one. So I would like to build a culture that people want to help us grow and they get the benefits of that growth as well. 
if they can prove the value that they can do it. Yeah. So real quick, I want to say Mike said it fairly quickly, but I want to make sure I circle back because it's important when he said pro tip. Basically, that pro tip is you should always be hiring, always be recruiting, always be looking for good people to bring onto your company because you don't know when you're going to have turnover. You don't know when you're going to need somebody. And you should always be building, like he said, building that bench to use a baseball reference. You want to build that bench. And I will say, just circling way back uh, to the comment about the office space and stuff. I got to be honest, I'm going to be really pissed if people keep quitting because they don't, because there's some, like, we want to build this culture. And if we think the office is going to help us with that and people quit, I'm going to be pissed. I'm just saying it for the record. But no, I'm just joking. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in fact, though, like we said, the turnover that we've had, there's been a, a lot, like, everyone asks us, why have you had so much, like, what was the reason that you've had turnover? But it's like, there's been a, there's been a lot of reasons. Some of it was people left, right? They left for whatever reason. Some people were underperforming and they were kind of on the bubble, so to speak. They were probably going to let go and they just sort of jumped in the pool before they were pushed a little bit. Nice way of saying they quit before they were fired. Um, other people see what we do and it looks easy, I guess. I don't know. It looks like, hey, these, these guys are doing it. It looks pretty simple. They're making a lot of money. We're going to do it. All right. And then we've had, we've created. You know, we've created competition within our own market, which I'm not worried about. I don't really care. It doesn't it doesn't matter. There's always going to be competition, so who cares? But I think sometimes you know people are involved in their part of the business, and they see the old. You know, we're pretty transparent with our numbers with our team, so they see the volume, they see the revenue, and they know they're a little part of it, and they just go, "Well, this seems easy," but they don't understand how much there is. I mean, there's two of us working full time. And we still have to put things on the back burner that we can't get to right now because they're not important enough to bubble up to the surface of things that we are or we're trying to do right now. It's am I'm, I'm amazed by that. Like we don't talk about it very much, but think of the list of things that we make that when we go to like these seven figure flipping events and six figure flipping events, the list that we make of things that we might want to implement or talk about. Well, this is bad for podcasting, but Mike's holding up his his list of things that we talk about. Yeah, it's like ten pages long. Yeah, and it's like. We can't, but it's a, but there's two of us, right? Like some people say, you know, like they're having a hard time getting to everything and it's a one man band. It's a two man band plus 10 other people. And we're still struggling to get everything done because it's just a lot to do. Right. So, and we're always hiring. So locally, you know, if you're in Metro Detroit for sure, um, and you're interested, let us know. I mean, we're not hiring right now, but, uh, we're always talking to people who we might want to bring on. And, and frankly, uh, we're all about top grading, right? We know where we want to go, and our goals are pretty ambitious. They're not, they're not small, and they're not easily attainable, and we can't do it with B players. We almost need a team of all-stars to, to do what we want to do. So uh, if you think you're that, let us know. This isn't really an advertisement for working for us. I'm just telling you, uh, if you think you are, let us know. If you're remote, let us know for that matter, but Metro Detroit's probably more likely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if we're going to hit our goals, we're going to have to bring more people on no matter what. I mean, just in, you know, doing a million, we can, we can do it with our team, but we want to do 3 million. And there's only so many hours in the day that salespeople can go on. There's only so many showings that a disposition manager can show. And there's only so many closings that a person cord can coordinate. So in order to hit our goals, we're going to have to continue to expand our team. And, and that's why we're always looking. That's why we're always hiring and always building that team. And I think like we had said, circling back to the office, that, that's going to be that team building environment. And, you know, as we grow now, the people that we've had with us that 
tenure and start to grow with us are going to be able to help with that training process and help, you know, start symbiotically passing out that information and helping people get trained up without our direct involvement. We've got definitely training plans and in 90 day action orientations and things like that, that we're going to definitely be implementing and, and holding them accountable to. But having that space where, you know, thoughts and ideas and, and training can just kind of flow freely. I think will, you know, exponentially help with that. Yeah, for sure. And you guys are just seeing it's real subtle. But the big uh, debate with Mike and I is always when and how many people to hire. So when he's like, yeah, there's no doubt we're bringing more people on, man. That's it's always a, a, a trigger for me to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Why do we need more people? So um, it's just a funny behind the scenes look. If you get hired into our company, I probably argued against it at one point or another. So I welcome you with open arms. Welcome to the team. But I didn't want you at first, so it's sort of like a, a, a tragic story that ends up well. Uh, Mike wanted you desperately, probably, before we hired you, so that's just a little glimpse behind the scenes. <laughs> what I started thinking of, actually, when you were talking about you know how transparent we are, one thing we never share with the people is you know our expenses and our overhead. We should start sharing that at these company meetings, too, so they realize that it's I not know, it's you know like wholesaling. You listen to every guru out there, hey, yeah, get into wholesaling, it's free. Well, yeah. you tell me what yellowletters.com says about free and sending out postcards yeah. or <laughs> our online campaigns. Oh my God. See how free those are. I, our, our monthly overhead is more than I made in my 20s in a year, in some, <laughs> some of my 20s. So it's crazy high. And uh, our, expen- our overall expenses for the month is more than I made in my 30s sometimes. So, um, yeah, it's a lot. Right? It's, it, that, you're right. We should be more transparent with that. Just, you know, scare the bejesus out of everybody. No one will want to do this. But, you know, that's at scale, right? That's our operation. If you want to flip, you know, a couple houses a year, wholesale a house every two or three months, you, you won't have much overhead. It'll be pretty easy because you're not doing much marketing, obviously, if that's what's happening. You're not paying anybody. So you can keep your, your overhead low and have a nice lifestyle business where you make, you know, 10 grand every couple of months, probably. Um, but the problem is you may go four or five months with nothing and then have two months in a row where you get two, right? So it's unpredictable, but at scale, when you're building a business that's predictable and scalable and you have overhead, you just do, and you have personnel, you know, that's the other thing people don't see. We can't really share that at the meetings. It's probably, there's some law I'm sure against it, but just personnel issues that we deal with personalities and conflicts and just HR type stuff. People don't, you know, that's rarely... It's almost I don't think it's ever talked about in in like podcasts or like real estate, whatever gurus or whatever. They don't talk about those problems and they exist because if you don't have people, then your problem is you're running around like crazy doing everything. Right. So that's a problem. And then everyone says, including us. Right. You should systemize. You should hire, create systems, bring people and delegate. And that is entirely true. But then sometimes you have HR issues to deal with now. I would rather have an HR issue that happens once every two or three months and you just have to kind of make a decision and move on than to be running around for, you know, 15 hours a day like crazy trying to do everything yourself and kind of failing at the whole thing. I would rather build that business because the reality is, you know, people talk about scaling. And like I just said, right, we bring people on, you have HR issues. So that's that's your next problem. But what people never talk about is that's when you hire yourself up one more level. And you bring in somebody or some people, you know, small team or a couple people who are overseeing the operation and handling the HR issues and they report to you. So you go from doing everything yourself to bringing yourself up one level, hiring people to do everything, but then they all report to you. So now you've got 10 people reporting to you. You bring yourself up one more level as you scale and can afford it. 
and bring someone on who everyone reports to, and that one person reports to you. Now you have a once a month meeting with somebody who's kind of giving you an update on the company and, and the issues and hiring and firing, and you're not doing it every single day. So it's like the HR stuff only happens because you're not done scaling, in my opinion, right? The way we're approaching it, you're not done scaling. It's sort of like, what's the point of scaling up where you go from doing everything to having 15 people calling you, you know, all day long, right? The next, the next logical step is let's let's go up a level from that, and that requires you know revenue and scaling and getting better and bigger. But that's that's a business, right? That's that's the way it is. Everyone at Apple doesn't report to Steve Jobs when he was alive, so you just that's sort of how business goes. We don't need that many layers, but there'll be a few layers if you're going to run a business. We don't need that many layers yet. Uh, <laughs> here we go. We're going to get off mic and start arguing about how many layers we need. Um, <laughs> That's a relative term as we continue to grow. I mean, our, our goal is to take over the world and get every wholesale deal on the planet. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. If you're selling your house and you don't want to use a realtor, even if you're in you know rural Oklahoma, we want to buy that house. No, I'm just kidding. That's the goal, but I don't know if we're going to live that long. We'll settle for the Midwest, maybe. Before we die, just we'll take over the Midwest. Uh, anyways, we're gonna, we'll hire enough people for sure. So I, I think that's good for today. guys. I, I, we just sort of wanted to give you a little glimpse of how we kind of process some of the things in our business. We talked about the hiring process and all the people that we've turned over, but it's sort of unsatisfying if we don't circle back and talk about some of those hires and, and you know how it went and some of the things that went right and wrong in that process. And then uh, you know the office space, it's kind of a debate, right? Not with us anymore, but... It's it's it is debatable, right? If somebody came on and said, "Oh, I think office spaces are a waste of time," they probably would have some really legitimate points because we made that argument up until now. So I get it, but for us, we think it's the right time. We'll find out if it makes a difference. We'll certainly report back when we see how it's going. But that's that's where we are in our business, and just kind of give you a semi glimpse behind the curtain uh, at a meeting that you know it's very it's this isn't all that different than a meeting. Mike and I would have had other than that there's a third person in the room that we're sort of referencing once in a while, but that being you, uh, it's pretty much how they go. I mean, we don't really hold back. I mean, it wasn't much to the great thing is we don't disagree a ton and our disagreements aren't necessarily arguments. They're more, hey, I've got an idea. And the other person says, great, let me see if I can find fault with it. Right. And just start poking at it until if it holds water, holds water. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So the good thing is we built in an inherent debate in every decision we make just so we know it's a good one because if we're just if if one person says something the other person always agrees that's not a good partnership and that's probably something we should talk about in another another podcast is partnerships how they work and how maybe they don't work and what's you know what's a good partnership people ask us that kind of stuff all the time too should i partner cuz we partnered it's working they think they should partner but i don't you know sneak peek i don't think that's necessarily true but Anyways, working for us would be a good topic, I think, for for another podcast. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, the thing that I do want to highlight here is every podcast, not every podcast, but a lot of the different stuff that you're probably listening to gives you the rosy colored glasses on everything. So we're trying to at least let you behind some of that light. And it's, it's not to try and scare you off. It's just so you understand what some of the realist, realistic things are. And, and this should hopefully motivate you, help you understand that it is manageable and you do have problems, but you just work through them. So, you know, no matter what happens in life and you're investing, no matter what your investing goals are, there's always going to be challenges and they're going to look different and you're just going to continue to work through them, you know, analyze them and make the best decision you can. And hopefully it's a good one. And if not, just learn from it. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's education forever. Yeah. I remember the most frustrating thing for me when I would go to like seminars or even RIAs where people would get up and talk about their business and they're real successful and they never would talk about the problems that they were having. And 
I know for us even like we we coach we do a lot of coaching we've talked about that on the program but we've had some of our students say you know what it's just nice to hear that you guys have had turnover you've had people quit you've had people you had to fire because you know my acquisitions person quit last week and I sort of feel like I'm I'm alone and you know like I don't know what to do like I never hear but we talk about this kind of stuff right people leave your company they do some people have to get shown the door sometimes but if you never talk about that People who have these problems, students or whatever, just people in, in real estate in general have these problems. They assume they're doing something wrong because they're experiencing these problems that no one ever talks about. And that's a shame because there's a lot that goes wrong. There's more that goes right, hopefully, but there's a lot that can go wrong and not just losing money, not just deals that go. People talk about deals that didn't go well, but they don't talk about things in their business as far as building their business, that setbacks that they have. We sent out mailers. We didn't get any response. We're thinking mail doesn't work. What should we do, right? If you don't hear those problems, you don't really know how to work through them, and you feel like you're alone and you're screwing it up somehow. I I did. I always thought, geez, I'm not. I'm I'm really doing something wrong because no one ever talks about the problems I'm having. So anyway, that's kind of what this is about, and we're trying to make sure that we're not just putting on rosy colored glasses, like Mike said, and and not not sharing the bad stuff. We can't share all the bad stuff because I think some of our people listen to this, but we'll share a lot of it. All right, guys, that's it for today. Mike, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, I'll talk to you 20 times before the end of the day, but uh, I appreciate this, man. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Bye. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Guys, before we go, one quick thought. One thing that I've learned in real estate over the last few years, and it's a really a, a recent discovery for me, is... I am struggling and I have struggled over the years with keeping track of my books for my business, right? It's a less one of the less sexy aspects of real estate and it's nothing that you ever see, you know, talked about or the gurus don't really talk about it, but doing your books properly will make your life so much better at the end of the year and at tax season. It's not something like I said that people talk about a lot because it's not exciting, it doesn't get people excited, but I can tell you what is the opposite of getting excited is being completely miserable. And I know that in the past, I have been miserable at tax time because I didn't know where to start. I was sort of like kind of halfway getting things to my accountant and it was a real disaster. So if you want to avoid all of that headache, you need to hire a bookkeeper and I am using the best. I am using a company that I actually personally trained them to understand this business and to learn and know how to keep the books properly for real estate investors. I sort of trained them in real estate and they applied that to the books so that my bookkeeping is completely hands-off. They do everything. They get everything ready for the account at the end of the year, and you just basically hand over the information. It's so easy. They're pay they my 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 bookkeepers like pay contractors and give me reports on my business, the status, a PL, a balance sheet. They can run reports and tell you exactly where you are all the time and Keep track of all the money going in and out. Guys, these guys are the best. I highly suggest that you check them out. If you go to reibooksonline.com, you can go and see what they're about. You, you can get in touch with them and, and talk to them and find out if, if it's a good fit for you. But if you go to reibooksonline.com, you can get a hold of them there. And guys, you'll be glad you did because like I said, it's not one of the more sexy things to talk about in real estate, but it is one of the most overlooked and recklessly handled area of real estate that I've I've seen in all my years. So check them out and I think you'll be very happy that you did.
Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. 